Well, hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the first official episode of Queer Voice. I am your host, Michael Aaron Costas, and it is good to be here with you all. First of all, I would definitely like to apologize on the length of time it took to get this program to you up and running. Um, basically, there were just a lot of delays and stalls on formatting for this show, and being an anti-populist type individual. I didn't really see a need to have it launched during Pride Month um, because we're prideful all year long, basically, here at Queer Voice. But that's neither here nor there. There, unfortunately, was a lot of breaking news that was going on in the last month to two months. Um, I've had the Origins episode, episode zero, um, broadcasting, podcasting, on um, the Anchor um, app and website, and um, you're more than welcome to visit that. I do want to apologize right off the bat for either sounding like an NPR um, radio talk show host or even Rachel Maddow, which I thought was kind of unsettling when I went back and listened to it, but you know, it's okay. It's all right. There's always a first time and a last time for everything. So, But um, really, like I was saying, the main issue here was formatting for the show. Couldn't decide um, exactly where I wanted to go and how I wanted to present information, what I wanted to say, how I wanted to say it. Um, but needless to say, I think I've stumbled upon uh, my way. And um, I mean, I'd just like to share with you, just in case you're wondering where I am coming from and what I'm getting my information from, if you haven't listen to the Origins episode yet. Um, it's all aggregated, so um, any information that I share with my listeners is pulled from the aggregate, meaning it's pulled from, you know, news, uh, newspapers, journals, from, you know, everywhere. There's no, um, there's no bias here. It's just whatever stories perk my interest that I feel are worth sharing with you. And then also, um, any other additional deeper information is coming from sources that I have followed for more than a decade and I trust implicitly. Um, so like I said, you will hear a bunch of stories from a bunch of different places and you know my point of view on what that is. Um, as someone who's kind of followed this um, path, as you, as I would say, I mean, as I explained also in that um, episode zero. So Anyways, um, I know that whenever I was going to initially start this podcast, um, some of the stories that were in the air then, and God, this is taking us back to, I think, like April or maybe early May. Um, <clears throat> actually, it seems like it might have been a little bit later than that, but uh, there was the um, outrage. Oh, you know, it was it was May, June, because... Pride Month started, and I was like, oh, this would be the perfect time to start this show. Why not start Queer Voice during Pride Month when it is representative of, um, I guess, kind of the core audience that I would like to speak to um, or speak in place of or for or it doesn't even matter it doesn't even i'm not maybe i may not even be speaking for most of the gay homosexual lesbian bisexual transgender queer people um out there and in fact i highly doubt that i'm speaking for most of them because i've rarely met someone in that community who is either conservative or a trump supporter and i have met a few 
And let me tell you, these these uh, these meetings are few and far between, but they are very relieving when I do meet them, especially face to face, as opposed to like seeing, you know, someone on TV or someone on YouTube or someone in the news who is um, LGBTQ, who is conservative or libertarian or independent or a Trump supporter. Um, you don't you don't see that too much in person, but some of the stories I've had from these people are interesting. Um, one individual told me that it nearly cost him his relationship just because um, his partner did not believe uh, in you know uh, Republican conservative beliefs and. Um, definitely did not support Trump. Um, and so, I mean, that's just one of the things uh, I myself have had, you know, slight I've had like slight confrontation over the issue. Um, I tend not to be, I tended not to be as vocal about it um, once uh, things were getting set into motion only because I knew how intense it was going to get. Um, but for example, like, you know, at my workplace, I faced opposition from people who were just confounded that a gay Hispanic individual was, you know, supporting Trump. These people don't understand that from my point, there's a much bigger issue going on here than an issue like LGBTQ rights, which I think, of course, are very important. All human rights are important, not just any one group or any one color of group or skin, but all human rights are important. Um, and with that said, there are much more important issues that need to be dealt with first, root issues that need to be dealt with first before you can get to those um, surface issues, topical issues, um, you know, skin deep issues that we can we can address at a later time, because those issues will never get fixed as long as the root issues aren't fixed. And the reason why the root issues are not fixed is because the leading class, the um, fraud politicians, those whom are bought and owned by the globalist bureaucrats and the deep state, um, those um, those politicians are always bringing up the surface issues that will divide us and will um, distract us from the root issues, which is really where I want this show to go. Um, as I talked about in the Origins um, episode, um, I initially uh, was in podcasting and broadcasting talking about the Federal Reserve Bank and um, how that was controlled by central bankers um, and talked about how it was a privately owned company that um, basically countries get indebted to. Just imagine every country in the world has a central bank. Not every country. The countries that don't have a central bank are the ones that are on our hit list, i.e., in example, most of the ones in the Middle East. That's why we went after Libya, because Gaddafi was setting up his own monetary policy there, and he was making his own currency, and the central bankers could not have that, so they had to have him killed. That's why they got Saddam Hussein, on top of other reasons, of course, like you know the poppy fields and oil, and I've heard hidden technology, old hidden secret technology, that is um, locked up in the Babylonian ruins and stuff like that. Um, I don't know how much of that is true, I don't subscribe to too much of the ancient aliens material, although I do believe some of that is a fact, but let's not even go to that cloud yet, because you're going to put a tinfoil hat on me way before you've given me a chance to speak my truth. So anyways, um, 
let's get back to central bankers and let's get back to um, the Federal Reserve and stuff like that. And and the reason why uh, is because that was and is still one of the main root issues that has been going on um, in our country and around the world. Um, we can talk a lot about this as this program goes on, but root issues. Um, so um, we'll get there, you know. And uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. So I really feel that this will be more of a bridge or um, a stepping path for individuals who do not understand what is going on and want to understand or those who are starting to see what is going on and they're starting to get the idea of what has been happening in this world and they need that guiding hand because let me tell you things are going to be happening and i can honestly say they're probably going to be happening a lot sooner than they would have in the past that a lot of people are either going to be confused about or they're going to be apprehensive about or they're going to be I wouldn't doubt that some of them get militant about, and that's that's the scary part, because we're dealing with a lot of individuals who claim the moral right and moral superiority over other individuals, um, and I see this happen all the time. I mean, you're talking to someone who has always, always been more left-brained, more liberal, more creative, more more colorful than any conservative leaning person um, that would be me. I mean, we're talking about issues here that like, we're talking about issues here that go pretty damn deep and they're going to be so apprehensive about it. These people who have that moral superiority, and this is how I can understand it, is because as an example of Maybe some of y'all can relate to this, maybe some of y'all can't, but uh, say like the idea of spirituality. Some people get into spirituality and they get into this big idea of like love and care and gratuity and positive thinking and, you know, speaking impeccably and stuff like that. And I'm not saying it towards any one individual. I'm just saying in general as a blanket. Um, but I've met several individuals like this, and I've known them. And, you know, in fact, when I was a teenager, I was one of them for a short time who got so wrapped up in their spiritual progress that they felt, I felt, superior to those who were not in the know, who were not savvy to these things, because I had like this, I don't know, uh, this upper hand, this hidden knowledge, this 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 idea that had been forgotten by the mass of people, and it makes you feel like you you have an upper hand, you know. And then when I realized that that was total hypocrisy and outright bullshit, not the spirituality aspect taking it to that um, taking it to that level where you feel superior and over people and you look down on them when I realized that that was happening I just had to totally dis- disconnect myself from it again not from the spirituality aspect of it but from the drive to you know engage in conversations and engage people in a way that was you know it could be sometimes you know a little belittling towards them 
but I see it happen all the time. Um, it just goes to their head and they get prideful and they get arrogant and they think that they're better than you because, you know, they're on this spiritual path that you cannot see and that makes them morally superior to you. So that's the general idea of what I'm talking about when I'm describing these people who are going to get apprehensive and possibly militant when the things that are going to happen, happen. Uh, there's already been such a divide, a violent divide put up between, uh, you know, never Trumpers and Trump supporters and, you know, liberals and socialists and conservatives that it, it's already gotten violent. Um, we have the most recent example of Antifa again attacking. And I'm glad that the media is really starting to focus in on their violence because in the past I've seen reporters and talking heads defend Antifa and call them courageous and noble for standing up for what really are they standing up for? I mean, if you really took away all of the um, idealism and you took away all of the romance of what these people say they stand for and you just looked at the literal black and white of what they're doing, it's a such brutal hypocrisy. I don't understand how people don't get that, you know. The talking heads and the reporters like at CNN, MSNBC, whatever, because um, I don't think I saw anyone on conservative um, talk shows saying stuff like this. There might have been one, you know, one or two in there that I missed. But, you know, because even Fox and them are not totally absolved of being part of that mainstream media and part of that Mockingbird media, which is to say the Project Mockingbird, that whole um, – that whole operation, you know, where the CIA placed agents into the media so this way they could kind of steer coverage. Um, and they still do today, except, you know, when Obama was in office, he made it legal to be propagandists. So now they do it 100% of the time, and we don't even realize it most of the time because we're so used to it, unless you know what it looks like. Um, that's what they're still doing. So a lot of them were singing the praises of Antifa. And you have Antifa, and I've seen these people in person. I've been at rallies. You know, they go out there. They're totally masked um, cowards. Uh, this is the first thing that I think. Um, they're armed, and they're in groups. And they attack people. I mean, I've seen some really brutal footage of these people. I've seen rally from start to finish. And they are the instigators. They are the ones approaching their political adversaries, their political opposition, and they are the ones who are instigating the fights. And then not only are they instigating them, but they're also accelerating them, and they're causing a lot of harm to people. People have been hospitalized. Um, people have almost been killed. And then we'll have the opposition go back to, like, you know, um, the rally that took place in, was it South Carolina? I think it was, uh, where, where, uh, you know, one of the, um, the liberal protesters got ran over by a car and they'll use that one example as an example of how conservatives are violent and how they stand for the KKK. And because this liberal individual was harmed, everyone on the conservative or right thinking path or libertarian or whatever you want to call it, that's not liberal, that's not progressive, that's not socialist. Um, they all become racists. They all become KKK people. They all become hateful. They all become harmful. And that is such a conflation because what happened there was they, they started attacking the guy in the car and he had to drive off, hit the girl, um, 
that's the base of what happened, but you don't hear about all of that stuff. Um, were there members of KKK at that rally? Yes. Were all of the Trump supporters there and all the people who were there to preserve the history of this country? Um, were they all um, KKK people? No. No, they weren't. There were a lot of peaceful individuals there that were conservative and liberal. You know, it wasn't just, you know, and uh, like it wasn't a blanket liberal people are all being, you know, violent. It was mainly these Antifa people. And these Antifa people, oh my goodness, it's so frustrating because most of them are my age or younger. And the the, the main rabble-rousers are like university teachers, which is so – it's just so ignorant and stupid to me to think that these people who are supposed to be role models for our society are out there initiating violence, political violence, which is terrorism, um, against others – as if though it were the moral authority for them to do so is just ridiculous to me. So anyways, so yeah, we had this happening with Antifa again, and I'm glad that they're being called out finally, and I'm, I'm hoping something will finally be done for them. Um, I've seen them wielding weapons and, uh, like, um, threatening people with them, which is actually against the law. I mean, you can open carry in some states, obviously. It's not against the law for that, but for you to threaten people with your open carry. That is against the law. And I've seen that happen. And of course, nothing happens to the Antifa people. Um, and then they'll run away, you know, once they start getting their asses whipped, because let me tell you what, that happens once someone opens up on them, they, you know, tuck their tails and they run. Like, they they don't know what it is like to be in a real fight, because all of their fighting has been simulated in video games and in movies. And, uh, you know, they go out there to, to action roleplay these these events as if though... Um, it, yeah, I used to play, like, you know, fucking... Pardon me. I used to play, like, you know, ninjas and Power Rangers when I was a kid. This is what they're doing at the age of 30. This is society that we've created. The Millennials. I'm at the very, very tail end or tail beginning of the Millennial generation. I guess you could say. So I have like maybe a 10th millennial in me. I don't know. But it's it's very, very, very crazy. Um, on the flip side, though, those millennials who are tuned in to what's going on and that are actually aware and paying attention, they are amazing. Um, they are amazing. And that, that gives me a lot of hope for what's to come because I feel that there are probably more of those coming out now who would rather pay attention to reason and logic rather than emotion um, to make their decisions and to um, move and make their actions on, which I think is a great thing. Um, there's just uh, there's just some, some good players that are coming out, I think, that could take down idiots. And I say that, I don't know if I say that loosely. I don't, I don't, generally like to be derogative towards people. If you look at my Twitter stream, you wouldn't believe what I'm saying. You call me a damn hypocrite because I do get pretty aggressive on Twitter, but that's because I really do see that platform as a tool to um, to get some conversation started, I guess you could say. But in real life, I'm not like that. I don't talk to people like that face-to-face. -face. Um, you can say that's the cowardice of hiding behind the computer screen if you want to. But, I mean, really, it's very intentional. You won't see me doing that on any other social media. It's just Twitter. Twitter is a, a really good vehicle for getting a message out there and directly pointed. 
Um, so I just, I don't see why not be an instigator. I guess in that way you could say, um, you know, I'm doing something like, uh, uh, what's his name over there from England and, uh, and being intentionally, you know, being intentionally, intentionally oppositional and aggressive, um, and, um, persistent in that manner. But, um, yeah, Antifa, they attacked uh, a gay, um, Asian journalist over the weekend. Um, uh, I think his name was Andy No or Mr. No is, is probably you know, as accurate as I should give it to you at this time. And, uh, I mean, we're talking about a minority who's also gay. So, I mean, I stand in his shoes. He stands in my shoes. I mean, we're nothing alike. We're nothing the same. We're not similar in any way. But, you know, we're both considered minorities, even though I, I, I as being part of the Hispanic Latino um, culture and he being part of the Asian, I think we're probably two of the largest minorities in the Americas now. And I actually think... If I'm not mistaken, we have more Asian and Chinese immigrants coming into the States than we actually do have Mexicans. I heard that somewhere. If you think I'm wrong, then why don't you just go look it up? But um, it's very, very interesting um, that these people who call for love and who call for tolerance and uh, that type of idea are out there being intolerant and hateful and violent that's the logic that I'm talking about right there. That's the black and white. That's what that's what I mean when I say that how could you, when you look at what's going on and you strip away all of the talking points, propaganda, politics, and everything, how hypocritical and backwards that is. Um, they're the ones who are out there causing that violence. And again, they think they have the moral superiority to do so. And so it's okay to do the things that they do. Um, where they got these ideas, I don't know because I don't think like them, but a lot of them that is also frustrating. And interestingly enough, um, studies do show that most of them are white males who have uh, – what is that thing that they say? Um, you have uh, white – Whatever it is, I can't. I cannot think of the word right now. I'm just too hyped up um, about this show. Uh, privilege. There you go. The most of them are privileged white males um, who make up Antifa. It's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> uh, I. I mean, I'm here in Austin, Texas. You know, it is home of the ever controversial Infowars and Alex Jones show and that whole crew. You know, and I followed those guys for a long time as well. They are being censored. I've had so many ideas about that, though. I mean, there's so many pieces to what's going on out there. But, I mean, I, I, I've seen the footage, you know, where, like, here in Austin, they were at one of the Planned Parenthoods. And you have, uh, you have the protesters or activists out there who are peacefully protesting and um, Planned Parenthood um, with their signs and stuff like that. And then you have these little Antifa thugs who come up and just start raising a kamukas. And then as soon as their asses start getting whooped, they turn and they run to their Mercedes Benzes and whatever the hell their luxury cars are, whomever their handlers are that are paying them. They run to them and they take off in their daddy's car or whatever. So they're privileged. You know, these are people who have money. These are people who don't have a hard life. Um, I probably had a harder life than they did, and I come. I'm I'm from a lay family, guys. Like I am not, you know, white collared. I am most definitely blue collar. I might be a business professional, management, whatever, but most definitely blue collared. Welcome to the layman hour, guys, because we're gonna talk to you like people. 
not like, you know, intellectuals. And I don't think that's an insult at all. I think it's very good that we can have a discussion on a level like that and not get so over our heads that, you know, we sound pretentious and stuff like that. So I, I would take that as a good thing, you know. But um, but you have these people, they're privileged, and they make up the Antifa. And it's kind of like when I moved to Austin, you know, because I'm originally from down the road in San Antonio. And I remember always visiting Austin and thinking, oh, it's so unique and people are so different there. And people are like, um, you know, so individual. And then when I moved to Austin and I got to know the city, I found out the only ones who were different and individual and who stood out were the ones who had money. But when you got down to underneath that surface level, they were exactly like everyone else. Everyone else here was a top 40s type of person. No one dug deep. Uh, everyone was into the mainstream. Everyone is into what's popular. And, you know, as the capital city of Texas and one of the most liberal cities in the United States, I get it. You follow what's popular. Um, and even those weird looking individuals, they all listen to the same Britney Spears and stuff like that. Nothing against Britney. <clears throat> I leave her alone, right? But um, anyways, let me get off that soapbox and, and, and you know, I'll wrap it up with Antifa because um, that, like I said, just mentioning it because it just happened. Um, one thing that did come out, I noticed, for those of you who are interested in that Antifa stream that happened in Portland um, this past weekend, um, the mayor. So there are a lot of people calling out the mayor and the police in Portland. I think it's very rightfully so, because in California, I would say from probably San Francisco, the hotbed, the Bay Area, Oakland, all the way up through um, Washington state, um, I would say that right there is a pure hotbed for liberal violence, um, Antifa type people activities like that, I would imagine is probably probably the one of the worst spots in the country for that type of idealism and um, that type of activity, because um, that's where you see a lot of it happening and that where it's really bad. And to the point that the police are standing down. They're not. They're not policing these individuals. They're not arresting them. They're not stopping them from from doing this violence. Um, so it just comes out that apparently the mayor Ted Wheeler had ordered the police to stand down during that assault and that violence. Um, that is extremely interesting. So of course. Mayor Wheeler denies the claim, and this claim was made by Senator Ted Cruz of Texas, and I have not always been a fan of Ted Cruz. I don't even think I could say I am a fan of Ted Cruz. He's just there, and when he's useful, he's useful, but prior to Trump, he was a useful idiot. You know, he wasn't doing anything good that I really saw for the state or for the country. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was a deep state operative who had to turn his leaf over whenever the Patriots got into office and he did not want to get ousted or he did not want to get incarcerated, like most of them are going to be. Um, well, I shouldn't say most of them, like a good handful of them are going to be. So that right there is an allusion to what I'm talking about when I say something is coming that a lot of people are not going to understand and they're going to get apprehensive. They're probably going to think, oh, that dictator Trump he's doing it. He's locking up all our politicians. He's locking up his political opposition. He's a true Hitler. He's a true fascist. But no, 
No. Okay, put your emotions beside and let's look at logic. There's a lot of crimes these people have committed. A lot of crimes. And honestly, if you were a true if you were just truly nonpartisan, just simply American, even Democrat or liberal, because these guys, classic liberal, liberals, you know that you can't trust the government because they're bought and sold by, by you know, corporations and all of that stuff. Well, guess what, people? The United States of America and their politicians are owned by the biggest and one of the most powerfulest corporations, and it's called the Federal Reserve Central Bank. Okay, so you want to talk about corporations running a country, and you you start talking about big oil, that's small potatoes. You start talking about big tech, that's nothing. Okay, this corporation, the Federal Reserve Bank of the United States of America, this private entity. That is where it is. Follow the money. Okay, money is the root of all evil. You go to these guys. They control the currency. Okay, so they don't give a they don't give a damn who controls policy because they control your money. And if they control your money, they control your policy because we're in debt to them. You know, we owe them money because they print money for us. You know, it's just like a credit card. We owe the credit card because they lend us that debt. We borrow from this bank, okay, and then they charge us interest on that money, so we still have to pay that back. The disgusting part is these people, they make that money out of thin air, and then you have to borrow more money from them to pay back that debt. And then guess what? You have to borrow money to pay the debt, on, to pay the interest on the debt, and then you have to borrow money to pay the interest on the interest. And then you have to borrow money to pay the interest on that interest. And then you have to borrow the money to pay the interest on that interest. And it's a never-ending cycle. It's exactly why you cannot pay your Visa card with another Visa card because you cannot pay debt with debt. Okay, But that's the scheme that they're playing, and that's the blanket that they've kept over their shenanigans that you and I never saw until the light started to shine. Oh, goodness. It was what? 2007, 2006, 2008, um, whenever a lot of this started to open up to me, um, and it made me so angry. If you were to listen to my podcast back in the day, you would think I was like, I was in a, a yelling match with Alex Jones and Rush Limbaugh. Like, I was so infuriated, and that is one of the steps of awakening you know, and maybe that's something I can help listeners cross without getting to that point is that when you're when you're going through that stage of your eyes opening and your conscience opening to all of these truths that are underlying and they're there and you and, and you could see them if you if you're either if you're in the know or if you're savvy to or if you want to, um, it's there, you know, they have paper trails, you know. You cannot hide 30,000 emails. They're going to go somewhere, you know, like, anyways, we'll get into that later because, oh boy, Hillary. Oh, I think I just lost half my crowd talking about Hillary just mentioning her name, whether it be for the good or the bad, the supporters or the revilers. But either way, um, I, I mean, that's one of the steps of awakening is, is anger and rage because you're like, what the hell? This shit's really going on, and no one has seen it. No one said anything about it, and, and, and we're still putting up with it? Yeah, well, yeah, that's exactly right. We are still putting up with it. You know, uh, in 2001, there was a, uh, there was a, a, a 
congressional hearing release about, you know, X amount of billions or trillions of dollars that they had been uh, kind of tracking for the IRS and stuff like that missing, like just all of this trillions of dollars, billions of dollars missing. And it went into some black funnel they couldn't find. And they're about to have this hearing on it. And lo and behold, the next day, there's 9-11, you know. So you can go back and look at it for yourself if you want. Um, but that's just a fact of it. And then Building 7 was one of the buildings that had, like, one of the main hubs for, like, all of this financial paperwork, whether it was IRS or FBI. It was in that building, and that building was, like, that building was demolished with no plane and maybe with one fire on one level, like an office fire, you know, not even a jet fuel. But apparently, apparently, Building 7 was so, so, so hurt by the collapse of its brother and sister buildings that it just had to go down with them. You know, it was just so emotionally distraught. It was like, oh no, the Twin Towers are down. I guess I'm going to go down too. Yeah, it makes no sense, right, people? It makes absolutely no sense. Anyways, we're not even going to get into 9-11 yet. There's, there's more stuff coming up on that too, so you better get ready because it's coming. Um... At no point in my life have I ever been able to say that. Like, for a decade or more, I've said it's coming, it's going to happen. Someday, eventually, these things are going to come to light. The arrest is going to come. Um, we're going to be liberated. Justice will be served. All that good stuff. Um, America will be returned to what it truly was meant to be. It'll be taken away from uh, the hands of these corporatists bankers, these globalist Satanists. Um, and I'm not really a religious person either, but when you're talking about negative and positive energies and stuff like that, it's, it's heavy. It's deep, you know, it's deft. It's, it's definitely something, there's definitely some weight there. And, uh, usually those who are more beholden to Satanism ritualistic stuff like that it's usually very negative energy it's it does more harm than good it invokes emotions and energies of fear and you know apprehension um which is not where you want to be uh you definitely want to stay positive and in the light as much as you can um using the powers of love um i know that's vague and you know out there kind of a statement to make um but it's true and it's just it's something that we will have to face in our lifetime i think i can say now and i remember for the longest time being anti-establishment um because the establishment was the globalist bankers controlled people you know, it was Bush 1, it was Bush 2, it was Bill Clinton, it was Barack Obama. Um, in my lifetime, um, where, you know, I could actually vote and stuff, um, whew, God, it was, I guess, around Bush 2 is when I was of age to start start voting. Um, but, you know, prior to that, prior to them, it, I mean, it basically, it started most heavily with the assassination of Kennedy. After Kennedy, it was game over. And and Lyndon Baines Johnson, I can't wait. I mean, you talk about you talk about removing monuments and statues from our history because of what they could represent to people currently. People who didn't even go through what their ancestors went through, right? 
And then you have a jerk ass like Lyndon Baines Johnson, who was probably literally one of the ones that gave the go on Kennedy's assassination. And again, we won't know this for sure because Trump didn't release all the documents on the JFK assassinations because he made a deal with Bush, um, who admitted to his crimes and was um, and was executed. He did not die of natural causes. He was executed for treason, among m- many other charges. Um, that he would not uh, put the Bush family in that light because Bush was in charge of the CIA at the time. Hello, Bush 1 was in charge of the CIA at that time. Um, And they were implicitly involved in the assassination of JFK, who was a president that was going to try and bring, was going to try and do what Trump was doing now. I think it's very unfortunate that he was not able to do so the structure of the deep state and those people back then, so massive and so little support, so little exposure that there was no way that Kennedy could ever have gotten out that message and the people could understand. And the deep state people, they knew. They knew that they had that handled because, like I said at the start of this um podcast, the Mockingbird Media, that operation, that project was all about controlling the media and making sure that they talked what they wanted. They used their talking points so that the public bought into that because, of course, we have been raised to believe media and news because why do these journalists have any reason to lie or to deceive us, to use propaganda on us? They don't. Journalism was supposed to be a vehicle of integrity and truth for the people, you know, and they knew if they could co-op them, which they did, that they would be able to control the narrative and every story that happened after that, anything they wanted to with any president. And they have. I mean, you just go and look at the history of the media and the news and more of this will become evident once all the indictments start rolling out. And once all of the arrests start happening and once the declassification comes, um, I I wouldn't doubt that they will have a lot of information. The history books of America will be rewritten. Let me tell you that. Lyndon Baines Johnson, take his shit down. Take his statue down. I'm in Austin. We have a a library named after him. We have a park named after his his wife. Uh, We have statues. That needs to go away because this dude... Treason, assassination, murder, him and Bush. And uh, Trump, Trump, he, um, he, he did Bush a favor by allowing him to keep his name removed from that whole, that whole um, fiasco. But um, in, in the JFK files, it's all there. And, and that was one of the reasons why he didn't release them totally, because he made a deal with Bush. Um, when Bush admitted guilt to his crimes before his execution. So, interesting stuff, wouldn't you say? Um, We're going to get to the root here, okay? But do please keep in mind, you know, this show is Queer Voice. Um, It is a Latino homosexual that you're listening to um, with, you know, libertarian conservative leaning. And... um, I, I do wanna I do wanna make sure that I am including my audience, um, uh, my main audience, but I want to keep it general because it is is this show is very much for everybody. Um, 
and I really just want to be that. I happen to be a gay Hispanic or a gay Latino, whatever you want to call it. Not Latinx. I don't know what the hell that crap is. But, um, you know, I'm Hispanic. I'm Latino. Whatever. Mexican. My mom comes her, – her side of the family comes from Mexico. You know, like if I were to go back further enough into my um, family history, I would probably have to go – uh, into, um, you know, Mexico's documentation and files, you know, prior to 1830s because it vanishes off of, you know, our ancestry chart here in the United States. I've already looked it up. So, you know, I'm like a fifth or sixth generation Texan. Um, but anyways, um, as I was saying, you know, um, I do want to kind of keep it general, but, you know, um, I am speaking um, um, with that point of view. So I definitely do want to make sure that we're keeping some of that in the spotlight. You know, um, for example, like I was saying, Andy No, he's an Asian gay reporter attacked by Antifa. Why are not the gay community upset at Antifa for that? You know, I haven't heard any kind of outrage from the gay community. Well, let me let me uh, let me be one of those voices then that these jerks like Antifa would do that. I mean, you could go watch the video. You can go see for yourself. You have a herd of these guys and girls, whatever these individuals, masked and dressed in black, you know, and they're attacking a lone reporter who's not even defending himself. You know, he's putting his hands up. He's not fighting with them. He's not yelling at them. He's not getting into a confrontation with them. He is basically just shielding himself and trying to protect himself. And they mercilessly just go at this guy. Uh, but apparently they have had it out for Andy for a while. And this is something that I was not aware of. Shame on me. But apparently Andy um, has been uh, talking uh, about the Antifa people, I guess, from the jump. And so they're aware of who he is and what he stands for. And he's definitely a threat to them. And they definitely made a point to um, to leave an impact and impression on him. And, you know, I, I hope to God that he does not stop doing what he's doing. Um, I'm not saying that he's some type of martyr, but he's definitely very brave for going out there and doing what he does. Because let me tell you what, I have not done anything like that on that level. I've always dreamt of and or thought about getting out there. And don't get me wrong, I, I do go to protests and activists. I have been in the past. Um, but not not in the not at the capacity of, of a reporter or of someone who was um, you know um, disseminating information on the event live or otherwise as a part of coverage. So it's something it's some some kind of idea for me, you know, moving forward. But I have also been very very much so uh, quiet about the things that have been going on, and I would say. Um, and as a good example, um, I would say since about, you know, I would say since about close to the end of Obama's uh, presidency, um, because when the was it 2016 election cycle started, um, as I've shared previously, uh, Trump was not my dog in the race, you know. But as it became more and more evident that this man, this individual, was representing something far bigger than himself, um, and it was coming from a place that, oddly enough, I was like, goodness, like, something's going on here. Something's being done or something's being said. Something internalized 
And I just felt and knew that there was something different here. And um, since that time, I really did start to go quiet because as I started to share my viewpoint and my thoughts on Trump, and this was at the very beginning, this is like, you know, my, my, my man in the race was Rand Paul because I was always a Ron Paul supporter, even though like they're, you know, very, 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 very staunch conservatives. Um, Ron Paul was totally anti-Fed and that was his message. And that's what I appreciated because he was talking about the root issue. And that was the main reason why I supported Ron Paul, because he bravely spoke out about the root issue. And that was the Federal Reserve and the central bank system, that type of system. Um, We'll talk about central banks more. Don't get me wrong. A central bank could work if it's, I guess, maybe privatized by the government or owned by the government and not by a private company. I'm sorry, not privatized, but if it's if it's if it's not owned by a private company, but it's bought or taken over by a government, maybe it could work. Um, I've had friends who've argued with me the value of having a fiat currency versus having finite currency, um, which is to say, hey, we might need more, and there's not enough gold in the world. And I'm like, oh yeah, 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 no, you're right, but at least you're not going to be causing any bubbles. And then that's neither here nor there because then I just heard this, and I I don't know how true it is, but I heard that another reason why President Woodrow Wilson signed the federal Reserve Act into policies because they found this huge stash of gold like somewhere in the West. And it was so much gold that in the 1920s, it would have devalued everything because there would have been such an abundance of gold that it wouldn't have had the same value it had. So in order to prevent a crisis, Woodrow Wilson or maybe the bankers used that as a tool to get him to sign the Federal Reserve Act, because Woodrow knew exactly what he was doing. He knew what a central bank was because central banks had been the topic of the dinner table and the breakfast table since like the 1820s or 30s, because you had Andrew Jackson who kicked them out of this um, country. Um, And even though Andrew Jackson did do such heinous acts as like the Trail of Tears, um, just as an example, you know, that's something that you don't, you don't look good upon. But he was responsible for getting rid of the central banks and rallying the people to support that cause. And he wasn't the only one, you know, um, like I said, there was JFK, um, President Garfield, I think the Van Buren, President Van Buren, they were all people who were fighting against that. And that was the main reason why we got into the, uh, we got into this, um, this independence war with, you know, Britain was because it wasn't, it wasn't just over a stupid tea tax. You know what I mean? Like they knew that the crown was being controlled by the central banks. They understood what was going on and they wanted no part of it because they understood that these people were controlling them and that uh, that these central bankers, um, these banking families were controlling the governments and the people. They understood that and they wanted no part of it. That's why they wanted freedom. That's why they wanted liberty because they knew that these people were no good and they wanted to break out and form their own colony, their own country that was free of that. Um, and I know that that just kind of like you know, mixed up a whole bunch of little history there, but the whole idea behind that that idea of independence, whenever they start doing that taxation and they were controlling the colonies and stuff like that, it had a lot to do with that. That was like probably the main reason. It had to do with the printing of money. So anyways, um, goodness, I feel like I've gone into such a tangent. Uh, the central banks... As I was saying, they 
are the ones that are at the root of this. Ron Paul. Let's get back to that. He was my man of the race, Rand Paul. But uh, but Trump came along, and I realized that as I started to favor his message and stance, forget the way he talks, forget his points of view, because when you get down to it, he's just he's just a figurehead. He's just the messenger. He's not, he's just the vehicle. He's not the spirit. You know, I mean, he has the spirit, but he is there to deliver that message. He is there to get it across. But he is not the main power behind that. You know, there's a whole patriot network behind him who have devised this plan for decades. And I'm pretty sure around the time that JFK was assassinated, that's when they realized that they were going to have to go way deeper to, in order to get these people because they had such control. They control currency. They control media. They control politicians. They can control police forces. They can control you know, heads of state. Um, what else more do you need than that to uh, you know, cast this blanket of illusion over the people, and they'll believe that before, you know, JFK signed in, uh, what was it, Executive Order 10111 or 111, I don't know what it was, look it up, but that was the one that, you know, officially ended, the or brought back um, American-created money that would compete with the Federal Reserve money, and shortly thereafter, he was gone. So, um, There's a whole Patriot network working behind Trump. A lot of it is military-based. Um, and a lot of what he does, he does very intentionally. Like, you know, there are some newscasters, some independent media out there who doubt Trump very much. And, like, I followed these people for a lot, maybe just as long as I followed, like, you know, Alex Jones and Infowars and stuff like that. And they're very anti-Trump, and they're like, look, Trump is bombing Syria, or Trump is bombing, you know, whatever. Why is he doing this? I thought he was going to be a globalist. Well, I mean, I thought he was going to be, you know, for America and not a globalist. I thought he wasn't going to be a rhino. I thought he wasn't going to be a neocon. Look, honey, the fact of the matter is that there's so many pieces they have to go through. Kennedy thought that he could just end the bank by putting in an executive order. They killed him. There's so many pieces that you have to go through. Trump used all of those instances to expose the neocons and to learn how they did it so this way he could stop them. So yeah, maybe he bombed Syria, but guess what? He was able to pinpoint the generals who were responsible for that. You know, and he was able to, you know, either get him out of there or get information from them. That's the name of the game. You cannot look at what Trump is doing at face value at all. You have to look at it like at two or three doubles deep because that's the idea is he's giving you a topical issue so that he can get at, you know, a sub-level issue that needs to be exposed. You know, he needs to get to that core to get to that nerve. And in order to do that, he has to allow them to act and since it's his administration, it looks like it's re it's reflective of him. So I hope you're listening to me, you people out there in the independent world that don't really believe him. Um, but, you know, that is why they say it's like 4D chess with Trump. 
this is all military planning. Um, they are probably some of the ones that were, you know, behind this entire plan to begin with. Um, but anyways, so I started getting a lot of pushback um, when I started to kind of talk about some of my support for him or I was starting to see it his way. And it was getting me excited. And the more excited I got, the more intolerant and the more aggravated friends got, peers got, associates got. I'm a writer. I write poetry. I write fiction, whatever. But, you know, I was I was always active in, like, you know, the literary scene as much as I could be, um, in the poetry scene in my city. And my point of view as a creative type, totally different from everyone else's. Because the typical liberal artistic creative person is a Democrat. They are liberal, you know, um, and they all have that left-leaning perspective, which is fine and good, but, you know, all of that's probably going to change a little bit. Um, once you get past that, um, you know, that conscience disruption um, that you'll be facing, and I say you generically, not you specifically, um, but it was it's it's conscience dissonance or cognitive dissonance because it's like wait 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 what wait what you are totally shattering my worldview and the way that i understand the world to work and you expect me to be happy about it no we don't you won't but we need you to be as open as possible because there's so much that is going to happen um i stayed in the closet and uh, was pretty much a closeted Trump supporter. I got a lot of pushback, you know, like I said, at work um, from peers and stuff like that. Uh, so I haven't been as courageous as individuals like Milo or as Andy No, you know, or even as, you know, I don't know. There's a, there are a lot more uh, um, LGBTQ Trump supporters coming out in the media than there have ever been. You know, I'm, I'm probably just one other one that is now coming out um, in support. Um, but it's just gotten ridiculous. And to even think about my community and where we stand, where we have had to face such intolerance and we have had to struggle for so long just to be accepted for the things that make us feel normal or whatever. And then for us to turn around and to be as intolerant and as hateful as the people that used to attack us and used to detract against us, I just don't understand. You know, like, are we being so intolerant and hateful because we're afraid that it's going to go back to the way it was? You know, is that what you really think? Um, because you you can't... I mean, it's, it's, it's all... A political, you know, team sports game, you know, like that's, that's the way it has been designed. Pick your party and fight, you know, don't look at the issues. Don't look at the logic. Just pick a party, stick to it and fight. And it's like, come on guys, don't make us look so stupid. Don't make us look so brainless. Don't make us look so ignorant. You know, like when I look at some of the things that, you know, my community does and, and I'm not hating on my community and I'm definitely not a self-hating gay. I'm, I'm very proud and open gay. Um, 
heck, I, I could even call myself queer, and I don't feel weird about that, but that's just because I'm a weirdo, you know? But, like, I, I just find it so frustrating that there's such intolerance in that way. I mean, I, I wouldn't call it hypocrisy, but it almost is, you know? Um, and I think it's even worse towards those who support Trump in the community than it is just against a general Trump supporter, you know, um, because they most definitely do not want to hear it. And the worst ones are the older ones. Um, you know, those of a certain age uh, are the ones who are just so die hard, old fashioned liberal. Um, they don't care any point of view or perspective. They will demean you, they will name-call you, they will belittle you, they will look down on you, they will have the moral authority over you, and that makes them superior to you just because you have support for someone whom they believe is a racist, a sexist, an egotist, a chauvinist, uh, a, a jingoist, a xenophobist, um, whatever-ist you can think, racist, socialist, sexist, I don't know. Go look up that... Um, that was that place boying about Hillary Clinton. It's, it's one of my favorites. Um, but they, they, I just can't understand it. You know, like you have a man here who, who, who fought to have black Americans working in his places who have fought to have LGBTQ working in his places and, and stuff like that, who, who has supported these communities. He's never displayed anything contrary wise and again, guys, don't make us look so ignorant. Don't make us look so gullible. You know, not even I listen to 100% of the news 100% of the time. You have to use discernment. You know, you have to be able to use logic. And I'm not belittling by any means. I'm just speaking from my heart, you know, because not all of us have that. A lot of us have lost it. We've become so dependent and if it's not dependent, it's lazy. It's one of those two. Tell me it's something else. Complacency? Apathy. It's apathetic. Either we're lazy, we're apathetic, or, you know, the other one, like we just <laughs> ignorant. So we don't need to look like that. We don't need to look gullible. Dig a little deeper. Don't just listen to Mad Maddow, who I cannot stand. Don't just listen to Don Lemon and, you know, who's the other guy's name? Anderson Cooper. Let me tell you something. And this is just kind of an aside. Growing up watching Anderson Cooper and Don Lemon and Rachel Maddow, this is way back when, but before they came out, before you knew they were gay. I remember I used to have, I used to work at this one place and they always ran CNN, which, you know, was whatever. But I always looked at Anderson Cooper and I always said to myself, that guy, you know, I always said to myself, that boy's a freak. I could just tell that boy's a freak. And I didn't mean that he was gay. I just knew that mm, he, he's probably got something going on, you know, <laughs> and sure as hell he ends up being gay. And I just, you know, how could you not see that coming? I guess even I knew it back then before he came out of the closet, but like, I just find it very interesting. Hey, here's something that you may not know. Like his mom worked for the CIA or she was oh, – his family is like from the, I don't know, printing industry. He's got some ties, some deep, deep ties. And he – oh, he's the one that worked for the CIA. My bad. Not his mom. He's the one that was a CIA operative. Um, I think I think his family was in publishing and owned like papers or something like that.
Needless to say, they were powerful people. But again, Mockingbird, they implanted them into the media so this way they could control and steer their message and their talking points in that manner. Period. Okay, so where are we now? We've talked about Andy No. We've talked about Antifa. I've kind of went off on our community for their lack of tolerance. Um, you know, I would say if you really, if if we really, really, really wanted to change the opinion of a Trump supporter, violence, name calling, and you know, raspberries and fart noises are not the way to do it. You know. Anytime you go to violence, you lose. You lose your moral authority, you know, and, and somehow they think they gain it by being violent. But no, you lose your upper hand whenever you go that way, whenever you go that route. There's never a reason for it. And I want to see the community disavow Antifa. I want to see the community call for them to be ousted as um, a domestic terrorist group because that is what they are. They use violence for political means. That is, by definition, domestic terrorism or terrorism, period domestic just because it's here on our, our own homeland you know but but with this incident and if i get my ass out there and i get my ass kicked lord knows maybe some of y'all will sing praises to antifa but it just goes to show that these people are violent and they're using violent means and they are in fact the fascists here they are in fact the ones who are acting as fascists and we need to recognize that we need to recognize that now now that is that. I've given my message to the community. We didn't talk about too many Hispanic Latin issues in this episode. Um, I was going to open with um, I was going to open with a couple of pieces of news that I intended to share with you when I was going to start this um, program back in May ish, um, May June. Uh, that was the whole outrage on Snapchat for having their uh, their filter. What was it that that one filter they had that was like. Uh, age doesn't matter or something like that. Um, oh, love has no age. Okay. Let's just close with that one because this is going to be coming up in a big way and a very big way very soon. So even President Bush one was indicted on charges of trafficking, human trafficking. Okay. Now let's talk about this. Um, Love has no age, right? Okay, so, I, I mean, they took down the filter, I'm sure. It was a disaster, but it was just, it was very upsetting because you have individuals like that one actor who I used to respect, Kevin Spacey, who, when these allegations of him, uh, you know, raping or harassing, you know, a minor came out, he went on the defense by saying he's a gay man, you know, and then immediately that just put the gays into the camp of perverts and pedophiles, which I do not appreciate. And it seems that now, oh God, it's going to get even deeper, guys. It seems that now that like, like the gay and the LGBTQ um, issues are becoming forefront, they're becoming more prominent. And now that gay and homosexual and lesbians becoming passe and it's all about the trans you know and it's all about the drag queens and i have nothing against drag queens i love drag queens i support drag queens i watch rupaul's drag race etc but like it's it's getting to a point to where it's just getting too crossed and too intermingled with this notion that 
it's okay to have feelings sexual or or emotional for you know a minor and it was disgusting to me that Snapchat decided to use this love has no age filter in tandem with Pride Month. So basically you're tying that pedophilic you know idea to the LGBT community again. And this is something that you know we already deal with as a community because look at what was going on with like you know the preachers and the priests and I could say the catholic ones but really it's in most all religions it's not it's not you know confined to any one practice but you have preachers you know raping and molesting altar boys homosexual activities with pedophilic you know nature in there i mean come on you know like it's it's making it worse and so i don't want to be tied into that you know I don't think any of y'all want to be tied into that. Um, we have we have uh, Kevin Spacey tying you know pedophilia and homosexuality together in a roundabout way, you know, just so that he could you know kind of like get the steam taken off of him, as if though it made it okay that he was you know a young uh, a minor because he was gay. No, it's not okay. I'm sorry, but um, not sorry. But you had that going on, you know, so, I mean, I was going to talk about that. And then also um, there was this other thing going on with the drag queens and, uh, you know, having having children at like these drag cons and drag queens at like, you know, library reading time. The thing about it is I think I think it could be okay if it was presented in a way that didn't sexualize the children, because then you have I mean, come on. Parents, 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 would you allow your nine-year-old son or daughter to go into any nightclub and just be there and hang out? No, because of all of the dangers that are potential for them. Anything you can think of for a child, a minor, in, in, in an environment like that. Now, take that and multiply it by X amount of times. And I can say this because I... I'm very well aware I used to club, you know, every weekend and almost every weeknight. And I know what goes on at those clubs. Drag show or no drag show, there's drugs, there's sex, there is nudity, there's lewdness, there's crassness, there is, I mean, there is so many things inappropriate for a child there. And then you want to go ahead and get them mixed in with, you know, gyrating your hips and being sexual and dressing up and you know rubbing your boobs and and all of this stuff sexualizing children it's so disgusting um that's where you know i was talking about like this one thing that had come up with this uh aside from drag queen story time or whatever and 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 children going to you know like drag conventions and stuff like that and parents dressing them up and stuff like that uh there was that one uh, there was that one little drag kid and they changed his name um it, it used to be like it used to be like laquisha no 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 uh lactatia that's what it was his name was lactatia and uh, he got they got so much pushback from that they changed his name um to, to like something the great queen or i don't know what they changed it to i'll have to look it up but there is this video featuring this kid um the same drag queen that they changed his name this drag kid they changed his name and he's being interviewed by these two guys these two these two 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 gay guys right and oh my, 
tell me why these guys are not in jail because this kid looks so drugged up. And this is where I'm talking about that culture that you parents don't know about because you're you're so into this idea of tolerance and of individuality and of letting your child explore ideas that they don't even understand that you fail to see the dangers of what's going on here. That kid was hopped up on either GHB or on Rohypnol, or maybe he was slammed up on meth. I don't know, but that kid was on – or he, maybe he was just drunk on alcohol. Either way, this 9, 10, 11-year-old boy dressed as a girl with these two adult men laughing and giggling and talking about drugs is child abuse. And why aren't these guys in jail? I mean – I have to find that video. Um, when I do, I'll post it. Uh, I'll post it as a link or something like that, so you can see it. And then, and then, and then, as if though that were not enough, you see these these vampires, these witches, these Satanists. They have to tell you what they're doing, and they put it right in plain front sight for you to see. So you have Lactatia or whatever his new name is with these two adult men, and there's a painting behind them. And the painting has, like, a subconscious word painted inside the painting. The word is Rohypnol. You all know what Rohypnol is. It is a date rape drug. It is a roofie. And the painting is of a child because these are pedophiles. And it was probably, I don't know, I think it was, like, one of, um, what was that guy's name from New York? Uh, one of Hillary's guys, the Podesta. He had a lot of paintings like that. He had a lot of paintings of, like, weird, like, paintings that are very, like, cartoony of children. And they might have, like, Rohypnol or GHB written in there somewhere for you to find subconsciously because... Let's face it, I'll be honest with you, and maybe my community will not approve of me sharing this information, maybe they don't care, but those drugs are a huge part of the community. And not just as a, um, not just as like um, a predatory type of thing, they use these also recreationally, very much so. So it's not like you just face the danger of being date raped at a club. No, 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 no. We're going to go home afterwards and we're all going to consciously and we're all going to, um, what's the word? We're all going to uh, consensually partake in these drugs so we can all get messed up and we can all, you know, have a good time. So this is very much an active part of the culture to this day. And that's why I'm saying, like, in this video, it's just, it's insane to me that, you know, this kid is on something. And I really think they should have found out what. And I really want to know where his parents were during this entire taping. Um, that I, it, just, it just astounds me to think that, that that's happening and that they're trying to tie that in. And, and really what it boils down to is... Once they've normalized transgenderism, which you know it's it is what it is, I, I'm not I don't have any anything else to say about it. Uh, transgender, trans, uh, actually there's transracial now. Um, transgender, transracial. Uh, there are some trans species, believe it or not, now. But once all of that is normalized, um, they'll probably try and normalize bestiality and uh, pedophilia. Um, is going to be uh, decriminalized is what they would like to do. They would like to decriminalize pedophilia and they would like to make it um, like a, a mental thing. 
and, and so it will be protected. You know, it, it will be like people who prefer minors or people attracted to minors, I think is what it's called. That's what the, the sickness or the syndrome will be called, PAM or something like that. And that in that way, this class of people who prefer um, who prefer minors or who are attracted to minors um, will no longer face legal consequences for harming your child. Um, they will no longer face legal consequences for exploiting or taking advantage of children, um, of individuals who cannot protect themselves. Okay. They want to normalize that. And I think it's bullshit that they're doing, that they're tying, they're tying my community into that. And I want no part of it. I want no part of that in my community or in any part of this society, there's no room for it. You know, for us to grow and for us to progress, I really do not see that as a path that we can take. If you want to talk about it in that that sense, if you want to, if you really want to sit down and have like an intellectual debate about the pros and the cons of pedophilia in a society, I really don't think that there's room for society to grow up healthy with that kind of activity going on. Period. Anyways, we'll end it there, folks. We'll have uh, a few more topics to talk about next time. Um, like I was saying, there's so much news going on, and really I could just get into like a lot of like political talk, but I, I definitely do want to keep some news points on the surface. But at the same time, brief. I don't want to keep you here for three hours. You know, I think maybe 30 minutes to an hour is long enough. So it has been so much fun speaking with you all. Um, I hope you found this information, if not informative, slightly entertaining. And I will be back shortly to share more words with you. Until then, have a great night, have a great day, and don't forget to stay in the love and the light. Thank you. And goodbye.